Welcome to the Agony Cast, where we are improving culture through friendly competition. And this episode's contestants are... Lars, I've just taken my funny pill. This is Ryan, a.k.a. Big Baby Jesus, a.k.a. Plus Size Toddler Moses, a.k.a. Big Bone Preschooler Elijah, a.k.a. Fun Size Prepubescent Apostle Paul. I'm Jeremy, committed foyerist. <laughs> Be careful, guys. I'm Nathaniel uh, Sophia Loren. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, so, long-time listeners, God damn, there's a moth right in by my face. Um, long-time listeners uh, will know how this game is played. Uh, we begin with our two-minute win-it round. Two-minute win-it. Uh, wherein each of us has an uninterrupted two minutes to respond to a previously determined prompt. Before we get to that, though, bonus question, beep, 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 uh, honk, 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 I don't know, bonus question, um, which one of you can tell me this, oh, riddle me this, um, Kelsey Grammer got three Emmy nods, apparently, oh. nomination. I think Not I already days. know the answer to this question. <laughs> Ryan, you're disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> this is in my wheelhouse. Is it from the Big Bang yes. Theory? Go ahead. I, I believe I know exactly what the answer is. In fact, can I try to answer the question before you... Sure, why don't we do this Jeopardy style yes. and allow you to pose the question? I believe the answer is Cheers, Frasier, Wings. Very close. Uh, the question oh. is, uh, what gave him diarrhea at all three <laughs> ceremonies? I stick with my answer. Yep. I mean, he's a, he's a pretty incredible um, alcoholic, so I think that often causes diarrhea. <laughs> he's do it. a really incredible alcoholic baritone. <laughs> he has this amazing voice. Incredible, you guys. I, I don't know why this feels like a related news item, but the picture circulating of Billy Joel playing the harmonica, where he looks like Darth Vader with his helmet off. <laughs> oh, boy. Just Google all, it. Uh... They're going to need that again for The Force Awakens. I assume the guy that did that originally is dead, right? Can Billy Joel just step right in? Yep. Without missing a beat. He's in Rogue One, actually. <laughs> Curiously, Billy Joel got an Emmy nod for a guest appearance on Wings as Roy Biggins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, this time our prompt for the two-minute win-it round was identify the movie that most needs a sequel. Okay, the movie that most needs a sequel. And it looks like our good friend and colleague Lars is going to start us off. Lars? Lars? The film that most deserves a sequel, other than, of course, Shoah, is the 2005 classic documentary Grizzly Man. It's Mm. a film directed by Werner Herzog about the bear advocate Timothy Treadwell, who ventured repeatedly into Alaskan nature preserves to hang out with grizzly bears and advocate for their protection by capturing their behavior on film. Most of the film is Treadwell's footage, in which he talks about how much the bears love him and how gentle these creatures are, paired with uh, Werner Herzog's voiceovers, in which Herzog uh, assures the audience that the bears are at best indifferent to Treadwell's plight. As is uh, the universe to us. 
<laughs> a representative sample. Treadwell. I am the Lord's humble servant. I am Allah's disciple. I am the floaty things go for, boy. There has been a miracle here. There has been an absolute miracle. It has rained 1.65 inches of rain today. Herzog in voiceover. This was not a miracle. Precipitation is a natural phenomenon not at all associated with the whims of God. I believe the common denominator of the universe is not harmony but chaos, hostility, and murder. And what haunts me is that in all the faces of all the bears that Treadwell ever filmed, I discover no kinship, no understanding, no mercy. I see only the overwhelming indifference of nature. To me, there is no such thing as the secret world of the bears. Despite being 11 years old, the film lives on in the public imagination, especially in an online message board I found entitled, Why Was the Grizzly Man Eaten by a Bear? <laughs> Alluding to the fact that at the end of the documentary, Treadwell is eaten with his girlfriend of the time. And a quick aside, actually, that my favorite scene of the film is where Werner uh, kind of silently watches that death footage yeah. as he yeah. sits in front of Treadwell's old friend Crystal and Werner then very seriously says, you must not ever watch this footage. You mu it should be destroyed. And <laughs> the woman who I think is from Kentucky and is eating out of Ver uh, Herzog's hand says in a rich accent, okay, Werner. <laughs> so anyway, I say we keep this money train rolling. You know, the, the documentary uh, that is crying out to be made is one about the death of Steve Irwin, the croc mm. hunter, who was killed in 2006. We mm. get the footage of Irwin doing all his dumbass animal stunts, and we get Werner Herzog to reprise his role as the voice of cold death. I assume we'll hear something like the following. Irwin. This crocodile is really wicked. She loves her little gator kids like I love my wife, Sheila. But I'm going to jump into the crocodile nest and hope for the best. Herzog in voiceover. The scene is emblematic of Irwin's insistence on self-destruction. I have written a poem about this behavior. A poem for Steve Irwin. A valediction forbidding mourning. You were a fucking idiot. You can only swim with the deadly animals so many times before your recklessness causes your death. What did you think would happen? Did you think the stingray would not poke you in the heart? That's what stingrays do. That's why they're called the Cupid of the Sea. Or perhaps you knew the stakes. Why, then? Because you were aroused by danger? Because you liked the look on people's faces as they watched you in horror? Their horror was not for you. Their horror was for the human race that watched as you repeatedly squandered the means of survival evolutionarily engineered for eons. The sign said, don't touch the crocodiles, but you touched the crocodiles. And now you are dead. You died for us at home to watch, to see all the taming of nature that you tried to accomplish fail, to see Descartes proved wrong. You will be united in heaven with the cast of the Titanic, with the first midget shot from a cannon, with JFK Jr. and those chicks from his plane, with that surfer girl's arm that got bitten off by the shark, with all the humans whose defiance of nature nature defied. 
In a separate corner will be those who nature took unexpectedly. The first guy who stepped on a rusty nail, the inventor of the bug zapper, the lightning struck, Mary Curie. Those other people corner died, trying not to shorten their lifespan, and are blameless in their lack of life experience. They will be laughing at you, and calling you Stingray, forever. Well, there's Lars with the tightest two minutes in the business. <laughs> Comments? I have to say, Lars, I would like a tape of your Werner Herzog to go to sleep yeah. at night. There's yeah, your your crocodile hunter is closer to Werner Herzog than your Werner <laughs> yeah, Herzog impression. That's the most soothing Werner Herzog I've ever heard. Now, one of my favorite, you pointed to probably my favorite scene in Grizzly Man as well, um, but um, one of my other favorites is when uh, it's not Treadwell's footage, but his own footage of the ice in Alaska, all cracked mm. and jagged, and he, to me, the ice is emblematic of Treadwell's soul. <laughs> <laughs> And here again, we have Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I, think, I think we got to do a round robin. See, here's the yeah. thing. At some point, we were all much better at Werner Herzog, right? But I think that we of the podcast probably agreed that it was too hacky to do, right? So we're out of practice. Well, we've gotten lazy with it. Nathaniel, let's hear yes, yours. That's, that, is, that is true, Lars. <laughs> At this, at this point, you're not doing, you, yeah, you're doing an impression of the Werner Herzog impression. <laughs> That's, this is quite the rabbit hole that we've found ourselves down. It was about 30. So postmodern. No, no, no joy. Only knowing why is the this, brutality of the land. Why is it so high-pitched? <laughs> it was a real mealy mouth thing at the end. Yeah. I got upset. High-pitched <laughs> No, it was about 30 seconds before the show started that I realized I hadn't done my Werner Herzog impression out loud in about 11 years, which is when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to have that sharp and ready. Everybody needs a Werner Herzog at their disposal. Clearly, none of us have it ready to go. Nope. So his girlfriend got eaten, too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah she wanted to go, oh. and it was outside oh, she got eaten. normal. It was, <laughs> oh, oh, she did, in more ways than one. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Here we are with the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Oh, she so. got eaten. <laughs> In more ways than one. So the right. <laughs> Punishing the eaten. bad men. Like my wife, Sheila. So, <laughs> yeah, um, he was the advocate, right? But he was usually very careful not to go when it was like mating season or something. Yeah, they stayed too long because he had been going for right. years and years and they stayed too long, which, you mm. know. That's always what gets when the, you. When the polar bears started <laughs> rocking, they'll go knocking. As long as it's his <laughs> fault. Polar bears. <laughs> polar man. That's a sequel. Yeah. Polar man. To, polar bring, bear. to bring this already back full circle, he was almost cast, Treadwell was almost cast as, what, Woody on Cheers? Whatever. Who who did Woody Harrelson play on Is Cheers? any of this accurate? I think, <laughs> yeah. This is mean, like, he was like the second. It's true. What's the character that Woody Harrelson played, right? Just named Woody, right? Roy yeah. Biggins. Yeah. Right. He was yeah. almost cast as Tony Shalhoub. As... He fixed the planes. All right. Um, well, let's keep this gravy train moving. Uh, okay. Ryan, why don't you pick up the ball where uh, Lars dropped it? Uh, happy, happily. All right. And mine features bears as well. So this is a great prompt. In fact, I find it almost paralyzing because there are so many possibilities. I mean, for one... I would really like to see a follow-up story to The Rat at the end of The Departed, 
what balcony does he crawl <laughs> across next um, in a symbolic fashion? But that's not the answer that I went with. Instead, I decided that we need a sequel to a movie that I have not seen and was actually just released this weekend. Um, and that's how topical things are. Um, and the film is Snowden. Um, and you'll know Snowden stars uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt of Premium Rush fame. And um, it's about the famous whistleblower who has now been exiled to Russia. And I think what we could do with the sequel is, is engage in some speculative fiction that hopefully then art will imitate reality and this is what will actually happen. So here's my pitch for Snowden 2. So <clears throat> Snowden gets invited by a Trump and Putin to do some shirtless horseback riding through the country. And Putin gets a little braggy and invites Snowden to uh, a secret facility to hold the shriveled husk of the Sputnik uh, satellite. And exactly when Snowden is holding the satellite, he's struck by lightning, right, and sent into a coma. But the resulting explosion allows Snowden to see anyone's secret. And, of course, at first, he just uses this power in small ways, you know, picking up girls, fighting petty crime somehow, though his strength and abilities are not enhanced in any way. He's still Edward Snowden. Um, then he is able to use this power to learn that all powerful people in the world are actually eight-foot-tall lizard aliens disguised <laughs> as humans. So Putin, Trump, Obama, Oprah, celebrity chef Guy Fieri, all giant <laughs> lizard people. And so Snowden wants to reveal this shocker on Russia's biggest news program. In Russia, news makes you. <laughs> and so he heads to the studio to give an interview. Speaking of but... fruit. <laughs> <laughs> ignore that. Putin learns of this and dispatches his deadliest assassin, Matrushka, who is actually one deadly assassin with four other deadly assassins of increasingly smaller size living inside of him. And so all of the assassins are released one after the other like nesting dolls and come out to attack Snowden. Fortunately, he's able to evade them by slipping into a passing St. Patrick's Day parade. Then Snowden goes on live TV and reveals to the world that Putin and most of the world's leaders are actually eight-foot-tall giant lizards. But at, in the climax of the movie, Putin himself bursts onto the set, morphs into an eight-foot-tall giant lizard, and fights a bear to the death for the crowd's amusement. And everyone loves it. They love having a tough giant lizard person as their leader. And citizens of the world decide that really they only want giant lizard people as their rulers from now on. Political commentary. <laughs> a disgraced Snowden retreats to an isolated cabin in Siberia. And that actually leads to our third film in the trilogy called Snowed In. Where our intrepid hero is trapped in a cabin with other whistleblowers, Chelsea Manning and Julian Assange. And they slowly eat one another. The end. So actually, yeah. I pitched you a trilogy, America. That's You're great. a triple threat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I think that sounds great, Ryan. Now, is there a possibility that there could be a reboot at some point in the future where instead of gaining the power of basic omniscience when he is struck by lightning, uh, when he's holding Sputnik, maybe he switches places with Sputnik, like in... Um, you know, uh, vice versa, uh, like or a young Friday, again, yes, type thing where he becomes Freaky Sputnik Fly. and Sputnik becomes Snowden. Right, I think yeah. there's a lot of positive because I see some short circuit 
overlaps yes. as well with the robot coming to life. Fart yeah, noise. Right. Yeah. That jumped out to well, me right away. Lars, what is Young Again, by the by? Young Again is... Let me just put you um, on the spot. Oh, yes. That is Robert Urich and Keanu Reeves. It's the same thing, though. Go who on. Switches, it, who so switches Robert, with who? <laughs> yeah, well, oh, oh, no, no, you know, that's not both ways. He just becomes Keanu Reeves, um, and then he promptly kills himself. Um, no, he's... Uh, Robert Urich is... I think he's literally just sitting... I only saw the preview on the Disney Channel in 1992, but I believe Yurik is sitting on a bus, literally glumly sitting, uh, looking out the window, and says, "I wish I was young again." <laughs> and then he becomes Keanu. That'll do it. That'll yeah, but I think it. that I think that was I think it's it's the source material technically for Seventeen again, which was then the Matthew Perry uh, and then what's his name? Zach Efron. Yeah, Efron. But if he turns in 35, he blows up. Ooh, that's a great. Yeah, he has to go. He has to. Yeah, he has to go above thirty-five miles an hour when he turns thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Now, Boy, Ryan, I must have missed her, misheard your response a little bit. Probably not. <laughs> I thought you said that uh, he discovers that everyone is a lizard person. <laughs> no, no, just the powerful, the powerful in the world. This is a okay. long-standing conspiracy theory, which probably most of our listeners are familiar with and subscribe to, that uh, yeah. the world's powerful elites are eight-foot-tall lizard aliens. I don't think I mentioned that part. Um, no, but I, I think that's the twist, is it turns out all of us are unbeknownst <laughs> to ourselves. It's yeah. real. It's real. That's, that's, and that's a great that's a great all the way to the top and the bottom. Right. and Because in, in, I, th- I think, yeah, that's a great scene in They Live, right? He looks in the mm-hmm. mirror at the end. Oh, and then he's spoilers. Yep. Yeah, come on! I haven't seen. I haven't had the opportunity to see They Live yet, <laughs> or Donald Sutherland at the end of uh, Body Snatchers. It's where you find out that Rowdy Roddy Piper is an alien because of the unicorn dream. <laughs> Man, that's a lengthy callback. Is, is that from something? <laughs> but then again, okay. Uh, well, moving right along, um, I'll take it from here. Um, so like you guys, I suppose the first thing I did when responding to this, this prompt was disre- disregard the obvious choices. Passenger 58, <laughs> Schindler's Lists, oh. Requiem for a Dream 2, Ass 3 Ass. <laughs> St- <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so this question's too broad. So I thought as long as we're blue skying it, why not think of the movie I want to see? That's what led me to my choice. Also enchanted. So I'm just going to read you the list of notes I jotted down in a fever dream, because as you'll see, this ticks a lot of boxes for me. Maybe it's just one big box. Uh, Anyway, so here we go. Amy Adams is back, of course. Uh, Lauren Graham is the fairy godmother. Uh, She's only a few years older than Amy, but she's hit that age where she's going to start getting offered parts like this. Parentheses, don't say I've got a part for her. Parentheses. <laughs> and it works well because you can tell she's older, but she's still breathtaking, right? Uh, let's see. Caroline Ray does the voiceover. There's a storybook framing device because she has the Sabrina connection. Uh, and when she speaks, my dong pays attention. Uh, Allison Bree is the also from the title, also enchanted, right? Uh, she's in the human world, but it turns out she was born in Andalasia and sent to the human city to protect her because she factors into a prophecy of some sort. Uh, Lauren comes to the city to get her. She probably brings that chipmunk or whatever uh, because her land is falling apart after being ruled by a pretender to the throne, an evil queen who was initially after Allison. 
maybe Allison doesn't want to go at first, but then she finds out she's adopted. Her parents have friends in Andalasia, and they were sworn to never tell her about her lineage because it could endanger her life or whatever. Uh, the evil queen has spies in the human world. They come into play at some point. So Lauren maybe can't get her to go, so she has to look up Amy to enlist her help. Anywho, they all eventually end up going to Andalasia, so the journey in this movie goes in the opposite direction of the first one, right? So in the first one, you know, it started in Andalasia, go to the human world. Now it's in reverse. And guess who's there leading a tribe of anthropomorphic cats who are a part of the resistance against the evil queen? It's Pumaira, the thinking man's Chitara, which is ironic because she herself clearly has a significant learning disability. Anywho, they, connect diff- they collect different factions in Andalasia to recover some MacGuffin that allows her to banish the evil queen to the human world, and of course, Allison ends up staying uh, to help put Andalasia back together. Lauren plays some kind of role, doesn't matter. Uh, Amy goes back to the city because, of course, she has a husband and a stepdaughter from the first movie, right? The evil queen ends up in some demeaning job lamenting her fate. She's probably working under bumbling human spies in some capacity or whatever. Anywho, the whole thing is breezy. There's danger, but nobody dies or anything. This is a family movie. It's just that my boner is the focus group. The end. So, Jeremy, I have to say, it sounds like you're doing this for mostly the eye candy purposes, but I'm really into this mythology. I got to tell you. Well, you did some great world building there. That's right. I mean, this is just the two-minute version. I do have a 600-page script. They speak their own language. (laughs) Which you uh, created in its entirety. Mm -hmm. Even words that would never be necessary for the film. That's right. That's a full scientific Latinates for every single species. I created the uh, language and then I translated the Klingon Bible into it. (laughs) But the words are mostly love you and long time. So, so, so to be clear, it's Amy Adams and Joey Lauren Adams? Why not? Uh, no. This is just all folks from my, um, my list of... Uh, we got it. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, we get it. Okay. I, don't, I don't know how to title this list. Yeah. Just put the pieces together. Where was Judy Dench on there? Yeah. Uh, Dame Dench, uh, she's taken a bit of a tumble of late, um, quite ironically, because she took a tumble of late. <laughs> he just saw Iris... So then this is all going in the mea culpa next time, is that right? Yep. <laughs> I don't see why. I don't see why this should be anything that I or anyone else is embarrassed of. <laughs> Quite literally, is this any stupider than anything that ever gets made? The answer is no. <laughs> the answer is always no. So it's really a commentary. That's right. It's all an allegory. With the uh, the evil queen is Nixon. All right, um, so it looks like we're uh, to our last contestant. Nathaniel, you're going to bring us home here. What do you got? Well, I'm not really a film guy, so I'm, I'm basing these sequels on, on some scattered films that I've seen that I would like to see more of. So I think there should be a sequel uh, to the 1972 classic The Godfather. Um, so the continuation, the continuation of The Godfather saga... It has two focuses. Obviously, there's the ongoing story of the Corleone family, and Michael in particular, uh, still played by the, by the same guy. I don't know the names of the actors. Joey Italian. Yes. <laughs> Ray, and then Vito Corleone, Michael's father, played by Ray Romano. Um, I believe he dies at the end of the first one so I suspect that uh, even though we'll want to bring him back there'll probably be some backstories so we'll probably have to get a young Ray Romano to play him 
Um, so regarding the ongoing Michael Corleone story, I'm, I'm going to suspect it's about seven years since the events that concluded The Godfather. Um, and the heads of the four New York and New Jersey families have been murdered. And so now Michael's family has unassailable control of New York City. Um, Michael is, of course, in Nevada. That move went very smoothly. The furniture all made it relatively unharmed. Um, similar kind of lighting setup, right? I mean, a lot of the, the I, I kind of want the sets to feel the same. But even though it's hotter in Nevada, that they probably have some things going on. Um, it'd be really great if Michael could control some hotels um, and, by extension, some casinos. And then what I imagine is a guy named Frank, uh, who runs some of Michael's interests in New York, comes to Michael, and he wants to kill some people. Um, I think, like, the Spaghetti Brothers or the Al Alfonso twins, something. No, spaghetti's better. Spaghetti? Good. Uh, they're impinging on Michael's turfs in New York, right? Well, he's in Nevada. Everybody's going crazy in New York. Um, and then, and then, what I want is I want Michael to to sort of have to undergo some sort of travail. Um, so I'm imagining an attempted assassination attempt that's carried out against Michael in his home. Um, and of course, Michael's like, "What?" Um, and he tries to investigate who kills him. Um, and at this point, you know, I want to change the scenery. Uh, so I think they're gonna. They should probably go to Cuba, which would be really interesting in the 1950s. Um, and then the Cuba trip is when they find out what's all been going on, and then uh, and then he goes back to Sicily to for vacation, and that's how it ends. But what happens to Joey Italian? No, those they get murdered. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, so, there's, so, so there's going to need to be a third vastly superior film to tell some of that story. Yeah, but I think yeah. we probably should wait about 20 years to make it. It's going to be really good. Mm -hmm. So, so the the attempted assassination attempt is the yeah. uh, is the assassination attempt successful, and then is the assassination successful? No, the attempt and the assassination are both unsuccessful. Okay, so there so there is no assassination attempt, but there is an attempted assassination attempt. Yes, neither one of them go well, which is good because everybody likes Michael so much. Yeah, he's great. Also, one of the guys is named Hyman. I gotta tell you. Well, I was, I'm thinking musical, right? <laughs> I mean, for a classic like that, right. there's really only one place to go. Mm -hmm. Guys and dolls. I have a horse head in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> so would it be guys and dolls one? No, Godfather guys and dolls two. Right. God, God dolls. I'd like to see Godfather colon the Herman Cain story. How does that factor in? Yeah. Uh, Herman Cain makes – there's a brief little Easter egg in there for, for fans. He's, for he's fans in the of background. Godfather's pizza. Yeah, he's in the background delivering, weirdly enough, a Little Caesars pizza. <laughs> in every frame of the movie. <laughs> in every frame. He destroys the Little Caesars empire in building Godfather. Yes. It's actually – it's a pizza-themed mob he's always He's always holding it in front of his crotch. <laughs> Well, you got to have product synergy. I mean, yeah. this, these things take a lot of money to get made. So is he always trying to deliver the pizza in front of his pants to, like, an attractive woman? It's an attempted, <laughs> attempted pizza delivery. Yep. Yep. With his allegedly big sausage. Yep. So it's bachelor party, too, now. <laughs> yep, yep. It's ski school. What was your uh, pitch? Ski school? Ski school. Yeah. <laughs> Boner, Boner patrol. Boner, Boner patrol. patrol. There it is, yes. I should have pitched the sequel to that. Yeah. 
I'm gonna, by the way, guys, just, you know, I don't want to cause any rift within the Agony Cats, but Jeremy's already given me an EP credit for Boner Patrol. <laughs> just the tip. I'm sure that's, I mean, I, yeah, I definitely assume that that was what Snowed In was going to be like, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think Also a musical, though, too. Competing yeah. franchises. And it does become a sex-crazed farce. <laughs> yeah. No, that guy, that guy from Third Rock from the Sun was going to be pork and lots of buns. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our first round. Nice. Um, before we move on, uh, as listeners uh, know, sometimes we do a little a little song and dance here in the middle. Um, this time, I think I'm going to try something different, and I'm going to introduce what may be our most difficult, most challenging, most harrowing game we've ever participated in. Ooh, this sounds like fun. Yep. I'm going to call this... Genuine kindness. Oh, no. oh boy. So here are the rules. Fuck Each this. one of us has to come up with a sincere compliment for the other three. I threw this on you, so I'll go first. Also, that's going to make it easier. Uh, Lars, you've recently been uh, stretching your creative wings, doing some uh, performing. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to spoil things too much, but um, I think that's um, a really admirable thing. I think it shows a lot of guts, a lot of courage. Uh, to put yourself out there creatively. So, uh, good for you. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, Nathaniel, um, you're a very uh, prolific in uh, your job, um, despite having a lovely family, and I think that's certainly an admirable trait, uh, something I'm certainly envious of, and so I thought I'd let you know that. Thank you, Jeremy. You're welcome. Kind uh, statement. Is, maybe this section could be called Thank You, Jeremy. Well, it's not just me, though, so, uh, so let's, put a, let's yeah. put a pin in that. This isn't reverse mea culpa, uh, which is a sex move. Um, <laughs> Ryan, um, I like to think that you're probably the most centered of the um, folks on the Agony cast. You seem to keep a very even keel emotionally, and uh, I find that um, um, you know very amazing. It's not something I, I can do myself, and so I, I think that's a, a great quality that you have. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right, and so now I invite the rest of you to pay each one of us a sincere compliment. All right. Mm. I'll I'll go. I'll go. Okay. So Jeremy took my Lars thing about how Lars has been stretching himself creatively. But uh, Lars, you are um, genuinely charming in a way that I'm not um, and that I always envy. Um, Also, I'll say it quite good with the ladies as I'm sure all of our female listeners know, mostly female listeners of the program. I can only That's imagine. Right. Our demographic split. <laughs> but let's not leave the Jets out of this. I have not been slapped by any male members of our audience. Uh, Nathaniel, Jeremy took your career, but mentioned your family. I'll say, Earl, you seem to be a very devoted father. Listeners couldn't see it, but earlier he was holding an adorable baby on his lap. He also takes the baby to the art museum for some culture. Um, so, yeah, that's very impressive. And, um, Jeremy, not only are you humanity's first robot who's learned to love, um, but you, uh, first of all, you've done a great job spearheading this podcast and running it. And frankly, I put most of the work on you and made you edit the cuss cast. <laughs> That, I, that was my idea. <laughs> and you did it quickly Shocking. and uh, joyfully. 
Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I appreciate that first comment. You know, I was voted in high school most likely to strand someone in the uncanny valley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for me, also, Ryan. Uh, and maybe I'll use this as a kind of a slingshot, like Apollo Eleven going around the moon, uh, to begin my uh, thing. So yeah, thank you, Ryan. That's nice of you to say. Um, Anytime. Yeah, you know, it's it's a tough thing. I feel like oh. Maybe I could do three compliments that apply uniquely to all three of you. Wait, is this going to be a blanket compliment yeah. to all three of us as opposed to yeah, named right. really individual fair. comments? No. Yeah. Lars, I withdraw what I said about you. Yeah. That's not the game. Nice try. You guys are my three favorite guys, man. That's not no, going to no, no. cut it. Yeah, no, you're Not right. going to cut it, Lars. I want well, an individual compliment. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It right. couldn't apply to Nathaniel. You're right. You're right. <laughs> oh, boy, good luck. You guys are the best glasses and non-glasses wearers that I know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. So. So. Ryan, back to you. The. Um. You Damn and straight. I once took a trip. You and I once took a trip. Oh, this is great. I think I can talk about trips in all these cases, but um, uniquely to you guys. Uh, you and I once took a trip to Pittsburgh together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and it was it was yeah it was it was a delightful trip. And I think it was on that trip that I realized the depths of our friendship. And also, um, uh, it was a time when I was feeling very vulnerable, and I really needed some sort of an uplift. I was on the job market. It was really nerve-wracking, and that trip meant a lot to me. So thank you very much. I had very fun memories. We went to the Warhol Museum. That's right. That's right. I got a picture of you looking like Jesus next to Jesus. Um, Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. So that was... but, 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 But it's not just about the event. It's about your specific... See, this is now I'm going too long. Um, but anyway, that's that's not a trip oh, in that way keep that I could have taken us. with anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> like the Moyle slow. said, let's nip this thing off. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, uh, Nathaniel, uh, you are my f- uh, one of my first collaborators on a professional project, uh, and that meant a great deal to me because I was, um, yeah, I was really feeling down. I feel like the trend in these compliments might be self-doubt and then reaffirmation. But actually, that doesn't sound as bad as I thought it would. We are the three Zephyrs beneath your wings. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, Nathaniel, thank you so much. Uh, that was really, you know, then and since um, th- that collaboration uh, has been something that was that brought me back from the brink of, of not wanting to uh, really be in my position anymore. And that meant a great deal to me. So thank you very much. Thank you, welcome. Um, and yeah, Jeremy, you know, actually just recently, um, on my birthday, uh, you said that uh, you treasure our friendship. And I, uh, I, that meant a lot to me because I don't always feel confident in uh, knowing exactly where you sit on the emotional spectrum. But uh, specifically in terms Imagine of... Imagine how I feel, Lars. <laughs> in terms of, I think you just said that's really hard. <laughs> me. But the uh, but yeah, that really meant a lot to me. So you'll be happy to know that I printed it out and framed it, and then I also stitched it onto a pillow that I sleep on every night. So um, with thank Jeremy's you. face on it. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. I mean, that's a screen print, but the the words "I treasure our friendship" next to it are stitched. Does it have a bubble coming out of Jeremy's mouth like a cartoon? cartoon? Yeah, Not his right. mouth, but well, it's no, it's it's actually yeah, it, it's bubble like a thought because it's from a picture that I took, Jeremy, of you when you fell asleep in our hotel room in Tampa. Remember that? Cool. Dreaming, cool. yes, dreaming of you and he together. 
Yeah. But thank you. Thank you all. Thank you three so much. Uh, our friendship means so much to me. And even though I've been accused in the past of making compliments and sounding not, not real, I am, in fact, completely genuine. And I really appreciate you guys. All right. Nathaniel, uh, I feel as though I've made a terrible mistake. Can you finish this up for us? <laughs> yep. Yep. By the way, just for listeners at home, I, I'm having a hard time interpreting Jeremy's face, as I always do, and as I assume Jeremy has a hard time interpreting anybody's face. <laughs> you know, he looked as if he immediately regretted this whole thing. <laughs> he looked very uncomfortable for the last five minutes. My wife got me some flashcards so I can bone up on faces. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll go reverse order. There's an order. I'll start with Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy Fart Noise nine inhabited the um, same room while we were finishing our dissertations. You did, yes. Um, and I found Jeremy's work ethic to be quite inspiring. Um, I'll take and one, it. And one thing I most appreciate about Jeremy is he uh, you have to earn his laughs and his affection. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not only did I learn uh, the work ethic in terms of quantity, I also learned work ethic in terms of quality. <laughs> That one has to bring your A-game around Jeremy, and that can be very rewarding. Um, one of my most treasured moments of my adult life is the alien reference I made in one episode of the Agony Cast, where Jeremy uncontrollably laughed immediately in response to it, and I thought, oh, that's, that's a rarity. That's but, yeah. the bonus situation. And but, in yeah. fact, yeah, I think that that applies to more than one of us, because the Kurtzweil joke that was made, Jesus, 10 years ago now? Yeah. No. Not a lot, but close. I mean, that has animated a lot of our material, and l- yeah. most of that was because of the joy that Jeremy took in it. Yes. And we are very interested in keeping that going to try to yes. unlock the secret. Folks, that's why you are enduring this punishment at home. <laughs> Continued yeah. Kurzweil references is really, we're just all trying to make Jeremy happy. He's basically yes. the dad that we're trying to please. <laughs> yep. Well, let's, let's say stepfather. Okay. Yeah. You're like the stepfather I never had or wanted. Okay, Lars, you're next. Uh, Lars, in fact, you're, you're half-joking aside about when you, make, when you say sincere things and they come across as sarcastic. Um, one thing that I appreciate about our friendship... What's um, a good way to say this that's not going to come across as insulting? Well, that's always a good sign. <laughs> no, I like the... Ch- the, the um, that, that's a good word. I like the challenge of our friendship. That we were, you know, we we found each other at at uh, in graduate school, and um, I think what's interesting is I think actually you and I are similar in certain regards, in terms of our um, I too am frequently accused of being sarcastic when I'm not in fact sarcastic. Um, so in that sense, felt as if I had found a kindred sarcastic sardonic uh, soul, and yet totally genuine, and yet totally genuine at the same time. Um, so you are the person I frequently point to whenever I imagine in my head or make arguments that those two things are not at all mutually exclusive. Thanks, buddy. Did I, did I miss mine? I had to step away. Yeah, yours was like, I like your beard. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. I'll take it, buddy. Ryan, Ryan, I think, Scarecrow, I'll miss you most of all. Um, boy. Yeah, we poisoned you, Ryan. Sorry. That we yeah. Did talk oh, yeah, you're... You're, well, Ryan's been dead for a while, yeah, right? I mean, we're speaking, speaking to his ghost. Partially exaggerated. It's adorable that your ghost still yeah, wants to participate in this. That's why you're a little bit quieter. I did get the bins scuba diving <laughs> off the Rock of Gibraltar on my Cuscast <laughs> quest. Boy, did you find that treasure? 
the treasure eludes me, but the real treasure Ooh. is Cuss's work. That's right. It, it was within him all the time. I was sure you were going to say our friendship. No. Yeah, yeah. No. I, I was trying to set him up there. I guess the compliment I could pay to Ryan is Ryan is my first, my first best friend. Oh, thanks, buddy. As as uh, you know, we immediately <laughs> to the faces that Jeremy's making right now are. <laughs> yeah, well, this was I'm your idea, Jeremy. Honestly, I would rather have not died. I could have gone my whole life without saying something nice. <laughs> yeah, I really, I've tried to. In fact, I'd like to welcome back the listeners who have just heard a thirty-minute fart noise. <laughs> Anyway, I don't. I don't think there's much more to say to Ryan. That's okay, that. buddy. That's all I need. That's all right. Need. Okay. You have a dynamite ass. <laughs> well, I made a terrible, terrible <laughs> mistake that can't be undone. Okay, so let's move on to the uh, speed round of our game. Speed round. Um, uh, as listeners know, in this round we. Uh, take turns responding to a impromptu stem. So our first stem is what are some of the most needed or least needed national holidays? Most needed or least needed national holidays. I think we need a friendship day, guys. Oh, Christ. What have I done? Every day is friendship day. That's true. That's a, you know what? Can I go? I want to, can I have, Ryan, that was another comp. That was a great idea, buddy. Thanks, bud. Tomorrow's yeah. Friendship Day. The day after that is Friendship Day. Thursday, yep. I'm busy. But the day after yeah. that is Friendship Day again. Guys, if you send a friendship card, it's always early and always late. <laughs> but and I'm... always right on time. <laughs> you Feels know, like something wait, you shouldn't wait, do. Wait for it. <laughs> for it, whatever. Don't you step know. on my line. In in hairspray, um, the new one. There's that scene where you know the 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 dance competition is segregated, and then um, you know uh, at some point they dance together, and then uh, the protagonist, female protagonist, says, "I think every day should be Black People Dancing with White People Day." And so I think that that's true. Every day we could all dance together, regardless of racial differences. Yep, there's Lars <laughs> wading into some murky waters. Yep. <laughs> Travolta's the alien in that one with the dreadlocks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he like sticks out his forked tongue a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. I would like to see like kind of a Groundhog Day spinoff, like a Hedgehog Day, where yeah. the hedgehog tells you how much longer the world will exist. <laughs> I, like that. I, I thought you were going. I thought you were going to say every day should be a repeat of the previous day. <laughs> Yeah, Groundhog Day, you live the same day over and over again. Between Groundhog Day and the Gary Marshall movies, pretty much every holiday has been turned into a film. Am I correct? Arbor Day? Arbor yeah, Day, no. Not Arbor, Arbor Day. Day. Well, I would, I would say Day. a holiday, too, where of, of cutting trees down mm-hmm. would be productive so that I could feel Anti- good about it. Anti Arbor Day? D yeah. Arbor Day. <laughs> Show them who's boss. Yeah. Yeah. What have the trees ever done for me? They'd, they'd chop me down in a second if they could. Ryan, you bring up an interesting point here. If there were an Arbor Day movie, what would that be about? Uh, two people fall in love. Uh, one, well, one is a lumberjack and one is a conservationist. Three. And so that oh, would be yeah. one. I mean, there would be like 12 different stories in there. That's a uh, lifetime movie if I've ever heard one. But no, but and what would Diane Keaton play in well, this? Yeah. <laughs> the environmentalist and uh, what? Someone like uh, Nick Offerman is the lumberjack, right? And yeah, um, Someone at least 20 years younger. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and uh, there's some cougar jokes in there, of course. 
Yeah, this literal, is skewing literal cougars. Yeah. Pretty close to stuffed cougar. Yeah. <laughs> but that's only one oh, of the yeah, threads that that's in there. Yeah. I think there's going to oh. be a, a teacher, an elementary school teacher, who's helping her kids uh, yeah. plant uh, plant uh, little tiny trees, nice. um, and then those are immediately run over by a lawnmower. Yep. At one point, Nick Offerman tells her that she's barking up the wrong tree. Nice. And he's waiting for that. And then he's got an axe to grind. Yeah. Yep. And then it just yep. turns into Fern Gully, the last rainforest. <laughs> in which he releases a from it. Demon. <laughs> Literal animated footage. Oh. And, and a little bit of where the red fern grows when the dogs die at the end, and I cry in my front porch for half hour. Because Nick Offerman kills them. Yeah. Did you ever guys? Did you ever, did you guys ever get the sense that the the like the secret end of Fern Gully is that that blonde guy like wakes up and he's been like having sex with the tree the whole time? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I just assumed There's that. There's sap was, everywhere. I... That's not sap. It's not even an Inception style like you know possibility for the ending. That's just what everyone knows. This <laughs> is the, the official interpretation <laughs> of the end of the film. Sorry. There's actually a textual description of it right at the end. <laughs> yeah. And the tree has, like, Tim Curry's voice. (laughs) (laughs) Touch the branches. (laughs) Thank you, Werner Herzog. Dynamite Werner Herzog. (laughs) That's not a tree. This is a tree. (laughs) I think we've really nailed the most slash least needed national holidays. Leaving aside, of course, an actual purge. I mean, that should happen. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so, uh, second stem. What are the most annoying children's books or characters from children's books? Let's say that motherfucker in the Giving Tree. It's a real Ooh. asshole. Yeah. Takes I mean, the takes kid, the tree. not yeah, the tree. The tree is great. <laughs> oh, the fucking tree. I mean, until the, Offerman the taker. Comes in and cuts it down. But yeah, the taker from the Giving Tree. That asshole. The taking the taking man. Yeah, yeah that that's printed in the uh, in the tree world as as that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's very different. It's Jesus of trees. Curious George is a pretty big fucker. Yeah. He is. Um, if we can backpedal just for a second, though, I'm assuming the Giving Tree is actually the description of how Anti Arbor Day started, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. right. Yeah. Hey, did you guys read that fucking new Curious George book where he rips off the jaw of the man with the yellow hat? <laughs> no, where he no. eats his face. Yeah. yeah but did you? You right. should not keep monkeys as pets. Everyone told the no. man yeah. with the yellow hat that that was yeah. the case. I'd well, he's, he's helping. He's helping Tim Curry to find that diamond in the jungle. <laughs> Amy, ugly woman. Amy, yeah. I do agree that Curious George is a horrible, horrible character. I mean, uh, that series should be called Curious George leaves a path of destruction in his wake, and his independently wealthy owner seems to just smooth things over. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's sort of a metaphor for like uh, you know drunken. Uh, high school kids like that asshole that got off on his DUI Black or whatever turn. and fled to Mexico. Yeah. Oh, no also, noise. Jeremy Fart Noise looks a lot like the man in the yellow hat. <laughs> Jeremy Fart Noise. Well, the man in the yellow hat descriptor is going to be enough. Last name, yeah, no. yeah. everyone's going to be like, oh, that's the agony cast guy. I yeah. know him. This is not a children's book, but um, my young daughter has really recently gotten into this show on Netflix called Masha and the Bear. Has anyone seen this? No, I have not. Is it BJ and the Bear? Um, it's unrelated. Smoking although, the Bandit. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> Ira and the Smokey Deuce. Smokey was the Bandit. It is Smokey and the Bandit, but um, the show, I mean, it's fine, but it is uh, explicitly Soviet propaganda. And in fact, um, at one point, uh, Masha, who's a young girl herself, is painting, and the paint cans are clearly labeled lead paint. <laughs> wow. Thanks a lot, Russia. Commentary. She is really your, your daughter. That's yeah, she's going to be fine, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, she is. Yep. All those paint Ice. chips. So, so, so I, you know, I, I thought um, that children's book that was a spinoff of Goodnight Moon, where it was just the backstory of the little old lady whispering mush, that was pretty dull. Clifford the Big Red Dog sucks. A lot of sex in there. <laughs> yeah. This is just a blanket comment. Very yeah, where Clifford the Big Red Doll just bangs the hell out of the little old lady whispering mush. Yeah, he's, he's just too big. He is too big. Enough with it. What yeah. do you think? I mean, so, so okay, who is, the, who is more palatable as a character? Clifford the Big Red Dog, Curious George, or those babies out of control in like the Baby's Day Out, you know, Baby Escapes, Baby Adventure movie? Clifford. Clifford to be harmless. Isn't Clifford harmless? Yeah. yeah. Pretty well, much. I mean, He's just in, large. In, it's not his fault. Yeah, but... Are we going to body shame him? The, I mean, what's the deal? What's uh, the deal with Clifford? The There's yeah, the well, one where he fights I don't, Godzilla. I don't care for... I don't care for gingers. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, heal thyself. I suppose the excrement he leaves is a significant issue. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots not covered. I mean, that guy yeah, hikes his way like, car-sized. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my wife and I just rewatched. Uh, rewatched. We we saw one of those Richard Scarry books, the Busy Town series, in mm-hmm. a, a bookstore yesterday, and those those animals are having way too much fun. Yeah, the worm's not getting kind of their work shit. done at all. The worm, yeah, the worm is not the right size. Okay, so we've sufficiently given it to children's books. Camp, Take book that, characters. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to our last stem, which is tell us a sports fact that you know. <laughs> the stem again, tell us a sports fact that you know. Should we bring in a special guest for this? My, my only sports fact comes from an episode of Frasier, in which Niall says that his only sports fact is the fact that Babe Ruth was sold from the Red Sox to the Yankees to fund uh, one of the leaders' version, uh, Broadway musical, No No Nanette. Uh, so it's really a Frasier that's fact. A, that's a, yeah, that's a sports adjacent fact. That's like a, it's like a through the looking glass fact. It's really a Roy Biggins fact if you think about it. <laughs> uh, Mark McGuire took steroids. Well done. Uh, Joe Jackson sometimes didn't wear shoes. Fair enough. <laughs> um, Wilt Chamberlain slept with twenty thousand women, and Rick the Duncan Duckman Dutchman Schmitz was rejected by twenty thousand women. <laughs> fact. <laughs> Back. Empirically demonstrated. Poor Smits. He really gets it from all sides. The Duncan Dutchman. Yeah. Well, he wasn't, actually. That's the problem. Sports yeah. exist. Fact. Yep. There you go. That's a good one. I don't know. That's a, Yeah, that's in Descartes' Cogito, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fact. That watching the NFL is really hard to justify ethically at this point. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. And how about college football? Destroy yourself for my amusement. Mm feel like I ought to be, you know, sitting in a Calgon bath while getting my nipples plucked or something. <laughs> die, die for me in 30 years. Uh, sports fact, a librarian at a university recently died and left $4 million to his university, and a million dollars of that 
this librarian like saved money by like eating canned beans all day long. And uh, I heard it was dog food yes. all day long. Oh, More oh, beans than he actually needed. Yes. And, How um, does that save money? <laughs> That's a lot of beans. That's a lot of beans. <laughs> Not even the good no. ones. Yeah, a million dollars was used to to build some new uh, sports scoreboard for the football That's team, true. which I find an outrage because I mean, what was the other three million dollars used for? Fucking. <laughs> I mean, the university could have built a $4 million scoreboard as far as I'm concerned. And how is the football uh, team going to pay for that otherwise? I think the I, – if I, if I remember correctly, I think the $3 million were uh, given to the health department for their Center for Bean Awareness. <laughs> <laughs> Just bought a bunch of beans. <laughs> the beans beans the Magical Fruit Foundation? The Magical Insta-Fruit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just all day. <laughs> Oh, that was my uh, last yep. impression. Yep, they've been giving a little spark grants for uh, for that. Oh, they're called, hey, they're called toot grants. This is I'm going to derail um, the oh. this. I'm going to derail this with with a good fact. You guys know this that rugby and football, soccer, were both created in England in private prep schools, but rugby was established uh, on a um, a grassy uh, a school that had grassy playing field for their. Um, you know, whatever their their break time, and so yeah. you could tackle people, not a big deal. Soccer was formed in, uh, well, rugby was in rugby, right? The the prep school, the the football one, um, was formed in a place that had stone uh, ground for their, you know, whatever their their free time, and so they were not able to tackle each other. Okay. Okay. Interesting. 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 Yes, listeners, the listeners who sat through the whole compliment section were really got their payoff there. Yeah, yeah. Really glad we stuck it out. Started to get better, and then hey, so wh- much. what kind of gravel was it, Lars? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I tire of this. Um, so we're finished. Uh, let's move yeah, on to the vote. Time. Jeremy, I really love how you get a good night's sleep every night. I really appreciate it about you. Thank you. The voting uh, portion of this show has always been cryptic. Um, <laughs> I guess you just pick somebody except yourself, right? Jeremy actually now requires two forms of identification for us to be able to vote in the agony past elections. And I need to see your genitals. That's right, yeah. Especially those of us living in the American South. We're actually not granted the right anymore to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really tough choice th- this week. I thought everybody did great. Um, I think I got to give it to... The section is over, Lars. <laughs> I think I got to give it to Jeremy for the boldness in the creating the compliment section. That was really, yeah. really something. All right. Ryan? I'm going to go with Nathaniel because his baby was present for a while, and that was adorable. Um, Content-wise, hit or miss, but baby is gets a vote. Vote for Nathaniel is a vote for an adorable baby. Okay. Oh, I think I'll go with Ryan, mostly on the strength of his two-minute win it. Thank you. Good. Also, my really good compliments. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to Ryan because he keeps his shit tight. Okay. It's done. So, Ryan. Oh, God. You would know. That means you're. Sorry, I have to go kill what appears to be an earwig. Um, Ryan, that means you're our winner. What, hey. uh, what is our topic for next time? All right. Well, I hope it's not. I don't think it's too similar to the, the one we just did, but it's one I've been wanting to tackle for a while. So, what otherwise funny person makes the least funny movies consistently? Ooh. And yeah. what could be yeah. done to remedy this problem? Hmm. 
Riveting. So yes. it's a diagnosis and a, a remedy. So four answers about Steve Martin next week. <laughs> oh. Take that, Steve. Yeah. But Ooh. who is also the oh. best banjo player? Yeah. <laughs> the new phone book is here and you got burnt. <laughs> Look under B. Well, we hope you'll join us for um, what's going to be a, I'll say, less emotionally draining episode of the Agony <laughs> Cast. Till next well, I thought time. Next, I thought next time we were going to do the uh, insults, sincere insults and genuine insults. <laughs> next time we all have to strip completely nude, photograph ourselves, and upload it to the website. <laughs> Underneath, we just put comments saying, I'm wrong. This is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Episode no 11, things, problem areas. All right. So we will uh, hear you guys. Uh, I, did we end this? No. It's over. I, I interrupted you. All right. Well, then we're done. It's over. All right, gentlemen.